Blog Talk Radio.
here with another episode of the Urban Wire brought to you by the Urban Coalition of Freelance Writers where we shine a light on issues impacting the urban community. Um, tonight I just wanted to come in here and do a quick show about a few things. Uh, number one, I want to do a show on the, uh, most importantly, I think, uh, uh, locally, I think that we really need to discuss the issue of violence here. Uh, amongst our young people. And today we're going to um, hopefully talk about this for a few minutes. I have a couple of um, clips that I want to share with you guys. Today I attended um, a uh, kind of like a prayer, kind of like you said, a prayer, prayer vigil um, because uh, there have been several um, young people shot since the 4th of July. And I guess people are speculating that these shootings are retaliation-based. So uh, with Black Expo starting tomorrow, the kickoff um, to that will take place tomorrow. I guess they want to uh, ensure ensure that it will be a peaceful event because also there's been word given to authorities that there will be retaliation-based uh, shootings that will take place at the Expo. So um, the prayer vigil was held today by... Uh, my pastor, uh, Ronald Covington Senior, Senior, I'm sorry, and um, I guess um, other elected officials and people came down. Which I had, I had the opportunity to do an interview with um, Councilman Zach Adams Adamson, but for some reason I couldn't find the audio on my recorder, so I obviously don't have that interview now. But I do have the um, interview with um, Pastor Covington and. Uh, I also have the audio to the event, so we're going to get to that later on in the show. We're also going to just talk about um, a brief update of the George Zimmerman trial, and I'm hoping that we'll have our guest come in here um, momentarily. I know Jr. he's supposed to be coming in tonight, and see, um, she's going to come in for a few minutes, you know, and offer a little commentary. But um, if not, we're just going to go through these stories. Um, I'm going to make my commentary, definitely, let you guys know what I think. And um, I believe Michael, he's going to try to be here a little after 11. But um, we're not going to really be on here too long tonight. I just wanted to get on here and um, discuss these issues at hand. I think we really need to come together as a community, and we need to have a dialogue. Um, not only do we need to have a dialogue, we need to have a plan because there's no use to having dialogue if we don't have a plan of action. And, that, and I think for so long that um, we have done that. We, I mean, it's good for us to come together. That's that's the step. That's the first step. But when we do come together, we need to have a plan of action. And I believe that um, that's necessary now because things are only getting worse. Like I said, here um, in Indianapolis, I can't speak for any other city. The crime rate is getting so bad that they're comparing it to Chicago's crime rate. And um, with this many young people being killed senselessly, I think that there is time for dialogue. We need a plan of action. We need prayer. And to me, like I mentioned on my Facebook page, I put up a comment, and you know, I got some responses back. People agree with me that you know, so many times we watch uh, parents get on TV, get on these newscasts after a child has been murdered, brutally murdered, and executed by the street. 
They want to get on TV crying, falling out, uh, boohooing, and they just want to act like they don't know how this happened or who could have done this to their baby and all this stuff. But my thing is, you took no active role in their life. You didn't stick a foot up their ass. And I'm sorry to put it like that. But you did not do what you were supposed to do as a parent, and now you want to get on TV and make it seem like you're the parent of the year, and you don't know what happened, how this could have happened. And a lot of times you, you, you uh, some of these parents have allowed their children to be raised by the streets. And when you allow your child to be raised by the streets, they will die in the streets. And you will be lucky if they just receive jail or prison time. Because a lot of times these kids are getting wiped out now. They're getting wiped out 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. A lot of them are not even making it to their 18th birthday. They're not even making it to adulthood. So to me, um, this is an epidemic, you know, um, and I think society has become um, desensitized to violence, especially these children. They have became desensitized. It's nothing for them to go rob somebody. It's nothing for them to gang up on somebody and beat somebody up. It's nothing for them to pull the trigger and kill somebody. You know, and I think it's just a sickening part of this culture that we are experiencing. And, you know, like I said, it's a cliche, but parents need to get involved. Quit being your child's friend. Stick your foot in their ass. They come off, they come to you wrong, you got to get them in check early on. You can't wait till they become a teenager and then try to establish some type of ground rules or ground work because it's too late by then. It's too late. So um, we're going to go to a couple quick songs. But before we go to a couple quick songs, I'm going to let you guys know uh, we do have our um, Facebook group page that we would love for you guys to join. Um, we have a really good time in there. We talk about a lot of um, issues. Uh, you know, people can post articles or different things they find interesting. Uh, we have discussions, different forums. Um, and also you can just keep uh, – Keep informed about what's going on as far as our broadcasts are concerned or updates on videos that will be coming out. Um, and speaking of videos, we do have a video channel on YouTube that uh, where we post a lot of um, exclusive interviews. We have a lot of excerpts of our shows that you guys can go back and listen to, highlights of the show. Just all kinds of things that um, you guys would be very interested in. And we would love for you to rate, comment, and subscribe. Uh, we really appreciate our supporters out there. I want to give a shout-out to our supporters. Like was, we've been having an influx of subscribers lately. And I just want to welcome you guys. I'm going to tell you that I appreciate you guys support, supporting us and checking us out because I know a lot of times you don't have to support. You can choose to support anybody you want. So I want to thank you guys for just listening to us. I just want to thank you guys for subscribing to our channel, commenting, I just want to just appreciate you guys um, because I think a lot of times we just take that for granted. So check us out at www.youtube.com slash UCOFW. And also we have a couple new shows coming to our Blog Talk Radio Network um, this late summer, early fall. We are still working on our show with J.R. Vasquez called 3XR where we discuss race, religion, and reality. And it's a uh, free speech forum, but we will um, have respect. We will have 
order on the show. So we're going to be talking about some controversial topics. we got some episodes we're in the um, making of completing right now. We have a couple that are done. We're working on a couple right now. And also we have a show coming up here soon with um, C. Johnson. Um, I really was expecting to start that sooner, but we will be probably starting it within the next month or so. And that show is going to be called um, 317 um, Reality Check. And we're just going to keep it real on that show, too. We're going to talk about a lot of urban topics, a lot of urban issues from a realistic point of view. So that's pretty much what this network is about. Um, we, we still want to still have the Urban Wire where we talk about mostly primar- primarily news. But this network is about shining a light on issues impacting the urban community. And we keep it real from a um, realistic point of view. It's about you, the listeners. It's about what you want to hear. It's about what is important to you. So I just urge everyone to get involved. Um, If you would like to call in tonight, if you hear something that you would like to comment on or you want to uh, maybe throw in or something that we didn't discuss that you want to bring to the table, feel free to call us at 646-915-8200. Once again, that is 646-915-8200. Like I said, we're going to go to some music. Um, We're going to come back. If our guests are not here, we're going to still go ahead with the show. Um, We're going to play the clips from the event downtown today at the city county building. And uh, we're going to have an interview from Pastor Covington that we're going to be playing. Um, like I said, unfortunately, I thought I had the interview for for Councilman Adamson, Zach Adamson, but I, I guess it didn't. I don't know. I thought it was. I recorded it, but I guess I can't find it now. So, uh, but I will discuss that interview. It was a, a very enlightening. Just 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 being there in general. So, um, yeah, like I said, we're going to go through some songs. We're going to come back. Uh, we're going to soon try to get our Yahoo Instant Messenger back up because I really want to kick that off for so you guys can send in stuff like that. Um, I don't know what's wrong with that account, but we're going to figure it out. And, um, yeah, guys, I want you guys to also do something else. Send me some songs in that y'all want, want me to play on the show. Come on now. I know y'all listening. Hey, and I know you. You know, I, I know I'm pretty good at picking songs, but I, just, I want y'all to, you know, send me some songs that you guys like. You know what I'm saying? So it's not always about what I, I want. The show's about you. This is your voice. Just, you know, just come in, do what you do, but just be respectful. You know, that's just my my main housekeeper rule. Just be respectful. So we're going to go to some Sierra, um, Body Party, um, and then we're going to kick it off from there. We're going to probably play about three, four songs, and then we'll be back.
All right, we're back. Um, I know I said we're going to play a couple more songs, but we're going to jump right into it because we have our um, um, C. Johnson online tonight. So I know she um, she just wanted to jump in here real quick and make some um, a couple comments on the stories that we're discussing tonight. And as I was letting the um, listener audience know before break, um, we're going to be talking about just a couple main things tonight. Number one, I want to talk about with summer celebration coming up here in Indianapolis uh, about the safety factor of it. And I want to Mm -hmm. talk about the recent killings of several young people um, in the past uh, week or so since the 4th of July. I think think there's been several um, killings, and I think the most recent one dealt with a 16-year-old named James Johnson, which they think it was retaliation-based. So I want to get on that. Also, before we get off, I want to get your comment on um, the George Zimmerman trial. I don't think we really got your your comment on any of that yet. Mm -hmm. So um, I didn't know where you wanted to maybe start off with. Um, Mm Mhm. Well, I will say this. You know, we know that um, that as far as the defense is concerned. They have to actually make a case because so much money has gone into their pockets. But with all actuality, there really is no case here because, you know, the fact of the matter is is that he killed a young man. And I think all what they're doing is that they're pointing to the fact that there's so many people that just saw Trayvon on top of him. But there are people... And I know that there are people out there that actually saw the entire thing happen. The fact is is that they're not taking into consideration that just because he had a hoodie on and that he was walking in a particular neighborhood, that means absolutely nothing. It was raining that day. He was on his way home. So um, um, I truly believe wholeheartedly that that man is guilty. I believe that he took that. A young man's life You know there are comments out there Where he assumed That he was a thug You know just because he had that hood on And just because he was walking During that time of the day um, It proves That he was That he is a prejudiced man And um, I truly Believe That if the prosecution Does their job right then they will prevail, and he will go to jail. Okay. Um, this, um, so we haven't been on air. There's a couple things I want to talk about um, in recent mm-hmm. days that have um, taken place during this whole trial. Um, I wanted to go mm-hmm. back to last, I want to say, Thursday or Friday when his mother, um, Trayvon Martin's mother, um, took the stand. Mm-hmm. And I really, really, really found it uh, I was impressed on how she handled herself on um, on the stand, and she mm-hmm. really listened to questions. And she was in, um, uh, I guess she she was very. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? She she listened mm-hmm. carefully. She she didn't fall victim to what they were trying to pull on her. Pretty much is what mm-hmm. I'm saying. And because mm-hmm. I know they asked for a couple of trick questions, one of which talking about would you pray that, I mean, would you have hoped, let me get it right, he said, would you hope mm-hmm. that your son, Trayvon, 
didn't do anything to put himself at risk of getting himself killed. And she mm-hmm. says, I don't understand the question. I don't know what you're saying. What I do hope is that this would have never happened, you mm-hmm. know, and it was just like he was really trying to uh, – I saw what he was doing, and to me, mm-hmm. I think it it kind of made him look a little bad because he was insensitive towards her. Like, he was very aggressive towards her, and, you know, with that right. being a grieving other, it was just it, – it was not a good look. And I've seen um, several commentators – on CNN and other websites or news organizations that felt that same way as, as well. Mm-hmm. So I, mm-hmm. I really wanted to, um, to, um, to to mention that. And also they were saying how um, George Zimmerman has um, stated that he will not be testifying in his own defense, which by right I think he that's probably a smart thing for him to do. And when Michael gets mm-hmm. in here and I'm going to, um, run that by him and see what he thinks, but I really think that mm-hmm. he needs to not even say a word. Mm-hmm. He, he doesn't need to say mm-hmm. anything because at this point, you know, they're all walking a fine line because this case could go either way. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And they were mm-hmm. saying how um, they were showing his injuries and stuff on um, during the trial and stuff um, the past couple of days and stuff like that was just talking about how um, they have accused, you know, I guess the whole thing is, like, whose voice was on the recording? Was it Trayvon or was it George Zimmerman? Of course, George Zimmerman's mother's going to, you know, take up for her mm-hmm. son and say that that, mm-hmm. that was his voice. And then I guess he had some other friends and stuff like that that tried to vouch mm-hmm. for him. And my thing is, it's like, I guess one of his really close friends, the best friends, Testified the other day, and they were. Um, mm-hmm. and I guess they caught him up in some lies too. You mm-hmm. know, so it, it's just been a really, really just. I don't know. It's it's just been a lot of twists and turns in this trial. Um, mm-hmm. the biggest thing is, I guess they're hoping um, that the defense will rest their case soon. I don't know if they have. Mm-hmm. I haven't really seen anything updated, but. Um, mm-hmm. I, it's just been a really, really crazy trial, you know, and I, I you know, and it's mm-hmm. just really sad that this young man is not here because he only knows what happened. Right. You know, George Zimmerman knows what happened, happened, but he mm-hmm. only knows what happened, and he's he's unfortunately mm-hmm. not here to give mm-hmm. his side of the story. So I'm hoping mm-hmm. that justice prevails, and on top of that. To me, you know, this is my thing. Even if Trayvon did attack him, I don't know anybody that's not going to defend themselves if someone else is coming after you. And if you mm-hmm. are the aggressor, you end up getting your behind beat, that is on you. You can't sit up mm-hmm. here and, and try to act like you're a victim now when you were the one mm-hmm. that pursued him and you were told not to pursue that young man. And you still did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Sam was not doing anything. You know what? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, but, but I'm going to say this, so, and the fact of the defense bringing in all of these character witnesses, like his brother and his friends and all these other people, there is nothing that will be able to justify his character, period. There is no one and there's absolutely nothing, you know, and his character is already tarnished because, 
you know, of the comments of him being prejudiced and, and, and him assuming that he was a thug and that, you know, he done lied already. So these character witnesses, so this is just the defense trying to pull whatever type of rabbit that they can out of a hat because they've got all this money in their pocket already to take this case on. So they're trying to do whatever they can, but just but just like I said, this just boils down to the fact that there is not a case, period. But the only reason why it's dragging on like this is because if that court and that state violate his Sixth Amendment right, which is the right to a grand jury, then, of course, he he will get on scot free and he will be able to sue that state. So that is why that defense is there trying to drag this entire thing on and pull all this stuff out of a hat that is totally irrelevant. But I truly believe in my heart with the way that it's going that he will lose because character witnesses mean means absolutely nothing, especially if his character has already been tarnished and it has been. So, mm-hmm. All right. But yeah, you know they were saying the news like his parents are prepared for the worst. They they've been getting ready for the just in case he does get acquitted, and I pray that he doesn't. But you know, like I said, right. I'm gonna stay neutral. You know, as much mm-hmm. as I can. Not, you know, this mm-hmm. is just a really hard thing for me to do at this point. But mm-hmm. like I said, um, he is uh, given that right to have mm-hmm. a fair fight. So, you know, right. like I said, I'm trying to remain fairly open-minded and hear out mm-hmm. the evidence. But to me, the evidence is not looking good or pointing to his favor. So right. I think that um, you, we'll just have to wait and see. We'll really have mm-hmm. to wait and see and um, see what direction that the jury, you know, goes. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, at the end mm-hmm. of the day, that's the important thing because they're the ones that's going to um, determine if he's guilty or not. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Just, Absolutely. And to me, like, I, was, I don't know if I was discussing this with you, but I think at the end mm-hmm. of the day, uh, we have to realize that justice is going to be served. Now, mm-hmm. whether it's through the court system or on the street mm-hmm. or in the prison system, he's going to have to um, face the facts of what he did, just like down there in Florida a couple years ago. Remember that case, the Anthony That's right. case? Mm-hmm. That woman can't even go outside her house. Now, she can't She can't live a normal life. Nobody's going to ever forget her mm-hmm. face. Her face has been no. blasted all over the media, and you know, mm-hmm. even though she got off, she's not going to be mm-hmm. able to live a normal life. She might as well went to right. prison. Right. And I think the same thing is going to be for George Zimmerman. Even if he does get acquitted for murder, or if he just, you know, he's not found guilty and he's allowed to be back on the street, he'll never be able to live a normal life again. Right. And if he's no, in prison, he he's not going to be able to um, live amongst general population. No. He he will never. No. Mm-mm. Never. Never, ever, ever. He's going to be in maximum security for the rest of his life. And it's like, you know, and when I say that I'm in, in jail, um, he's going to have to have so many security 
regards, period, wherever he goes. The fact of the matter is, is that there is someone out there that will put a contract out on him, and they will see that contract out because of the type of crime this is. No, there is no crime that is ever good. But when this is a racial crime and you're killing a young African-American teenager who will never be able to see, like I've said before his prom, he will never be able to graduate, He will never, and his parents won't even be able to see that. You know, um, that that is hard. And there are people that will take that not just personally but overly personally, and I have to use it like that because, you know, it's, it's just not right, and I'm and I'm really at a lack of words right now because it's, um, you know, everybody wants to sit up here and say that he had a right to do that. No, he did not, and and there was no self defense on George Zimmerman's part. All self defense was on Trayvon's part, not on George's. He started this entire thing, so now they're trying to turn this whole thing around and say that it was self-defense on his part, absolutely not. This was racially motivated from the get-go. There was no self-defense. And I'm so sick of people, and this is my thing, like there's so many people that want to, you know, take up for his side. And I'm I'm not trying to bring race into this totally, but Mm -hmm. I feel that this this would not have been an issue. This has been an open and shut case. If it was a white young teenager that was attacked viciously, like and shot in cold blood, right? This we would not right. be having a trial. This would not have been going on. We have not. We would not have had to go through all these witnesses and all this legal shit to that's right. Pass. You know what I mean? This mm-hmm. would have been an open and shut case. And Absolutely. to me, I I feel that you know people need to stop looking at this. Start looking at it as, like you, especially people that have children. You know, look mm-hmm. at it from that point of view. This is a 29, almost 30 year old man, you know, that attacked mm-hmm. uh, somebody that was almost 10 years younger than him. That, that was a man attacking a child. Absolutely. You know, and to me, um, it, it's just no excuse. It, there's no excuse. It's no that did not have to happen. It did not have to happen. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, say what you will. This is an issue that did not have to happen if he would have just no. done what he was supposed to do. And regardless, right. of, you know, obviously, you went into this. He went into the whole situation with a bias mm-hmm. on his mind because he already he he already knew that he did not like blacks, and mm-hmm. he was already racially motivated in this. And you know, I guess he. He, he just was just a really paranoid person. Yes. And you, and then, for mm-hmm. time, you, yes. you take long for your hand. Mhm. Absolutely, absolutely. But then you know, and and the part that bothers me is is that he followed him. Now, why would you follow someone if you feel threatened? Why would you follow someone? If feel threatened by them. Normally what a person does, they go on about the business, they don't bother the people if they feel threatened, but you follow him. That right there shows that 
you were trying to cause something. You were trying to cause a dispute to try to dirty him up, try to make him look like he was some type of gangbanger, which that is absolutely contrary to who he was. I don't know him personally, but I know that that young man just went to the store to get the stuff that he that he needed to get and to go back home. He was tortured, point blank. Yeah. It's absolutely me, absurd. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you do you blame him if he even if he did? I mean, um, attack George Zimmerman. Do you think that he was in his right to defend himself if somebody was yes, following him? Yes, I do. Yes, I do, because you know what? The law states this. Self-defense is of equal force. You can't pull out a gun to a fist fight. That young man had nothing, and the law states that in every single state. Now, we know that laws in every state are different, but this particular law of self-defense states that you have to have equal force value when you are using self-defense. You cannot pull out a gun on somebody who has no weapon. You can't do that, and that is absolutely murder. You're not self-defending yourself pulling out a gun, period. No. no. So so he was defending his rights. Mm -hmm. I don't know how full the self-defense laws are, but I know here you – can't pull out a gun on somebody if they're not, you know what I'm saying? You just, just can't pull out a gun on somebody. And and they're not obviously because right. you already have the upper hand on them. Absolutely. Absolutely. You cannot. No, and it's like, and the prosecution, you know, they, they have mentioned that numerous times. They have mentioned the fact that he fought with him. So he was provoking him. He pro- he revoked him because the fact that he left out the store, mind his own business. It was raining. Who is going to be walking down the street in the rain and they have a hoodie and don't put it on? So of course he puts that hoodie on because it's raining. He's on the phone talking to his friend, minding his own business. But here comes George, and then the part that and. There was something that I saw when I had actually watched a little piece of it. And George has a nerve that he didn't know what street that he was on. Now, if you do um, a walk around in that area, day in and day out, you mean, and you live in that area, you mean something that you don't know what street you're walking? That's a blatant lie right there. You knew where you were at. You were trying to play dumb. Yeah. Dumbness does not work when it comes to law. They go by they absolute facts. Exactly. That's exactly. right. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So you need to keep that to yourself. You need to use that with your other family members who are actually uh, trying to defend a criminal. No. Right. Mm-mm. Yeah, so, so I just, I mean, it's just, it's just whole, the whole situation, was, mm-hmm. like I said, it didn't have to happen. It was, uh, no. based on it alone, I think that they should, this just case shouldn't even last it long. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why I guess mm-hmm. I'm confused about it because 
you know, if you were told not to pursue this person and you still did, obviously mm-hmm. you had the upper hand on him because he's 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 dead now. He didn't have a gun on him. He didn't have a weapon on him. Right. And I mean, you are obviously in the wrong. And I just, I just don't mm-hmm. understand what why are we even having this discussion or this debate on if he was wrong or not. Right. And see, and I'm hoping and praying that I am hoping and praying that they don't ask for a continuance and the judge grants that because if they do that, then all the, and the only reason why that they're going to do that is because they need to go out and try to find more evidence. They're going to go out there and try to find more lies. They're going to go out there and try to find more character witnesses because they think, so, you know, so if they feel threatened and they feel like they're blocked or whatever and they can't do much, they're going to ask for a continuance. That is something that they're going to do now, and I'm just hoping and praying that the judge says no. Because if he says yes, then it's going to throw it off and they're going to go out here and get all kind of stuff and make up all these lies and gather all these people to try to actually help their case. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just, you know, and it's going to hurt the case more than it's going to help it. You know, and I'm just you hoping and so? praying that it doesn't go to that. I, yeah. well, and I say that because they go out there, you know, because they're going to drag the entire thing out. They're going to implement all this stuff, and then the judge has to research all these people. He has to research all this information that the defense has brought in, and it's going to take forever. It is going to take absolutely forever. It's going to drag it out. So that's why I'm just hoping and praying that that if they do that, the judge says no. Yeah, yeah. So... Because mm-hmm, the defense will do whatever they can because they get, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. I know, I'm just saying that the, the defense, they will, they will rob Peter to pay Paul, to, and they will do whatever they can do to buy time so that they can try to win something. So they, ooh, they, they're very greedy, they are very inconsiderate, and they will just do whatever they have to do. Now I didn't have a chance to really look into this, but did they say something about them throwing out certain evidence or something? Yes, they said that uh, that they were going to throw out the part. Uh, well, they were talking about how they found that when they done the autopsy on Trayvon, that there was no type of um, hair particles or skin or blood or nothing up under his nails. There was absolutely nothing. And they oh, said wow. they were going to throw that. Yes, they said that on the actual um, fact finding. And they're saying that they were trying to throw that out because um, when you go to, you know, like when you're actually in the funeral home or whatever and you're about to get the office, you're not but in the coroner's office And they said that the coroner could have Cleaned him You know could have actually cleaned All of the evidence and stuff out To where it made it look like There was nothing so they said that They were going to throw that out You know and I don't think that was fair I don't yeah. think that was fair 
they said the yep. coroner have done something to the body? Well, they're saying that that is something that could have happened, you know, because they said that, you know, they could have, have scraped the nails. I mean, if you want to look at it like that, I mean, being that person's there, they have integrity, mm-hmm. and all, you know what I'm saying? They should have trust mm-hmm. that that person, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's, right. that's, that's not their, I don't know. Right. See, but I'm just saying a lot of yeah, you know, but that right there shows that the defense was greedy and that they're trying to do what, whatever they can. But I blame the judge on that because the judge had the final call on that, and the judge made that wrong. Now, I, um, and the judge even made that wrong call by even considering them for that, you know, because, like, if they said from the get-go there was nothing up under his nails, and that's actually in the actual fact finding. There was nothing. So if he's doing the scuffle and there's nothing, they found not a trace of nothing up under his nails, which meant no that DNA, pretty much. Right. You know, like he didn't go and start this whole thing with him. He didn't grab on him. He wasn't fighting him. He wasn't scratching. He wasn't nothing. So that right there shows that he didn't cause it. He didn't start that, you know, but then, but then just like one of the, um, it was one of the prosecution, they said even if it was something up under his nails, the fact of the matter is is that it could have been there because he was trying to defend himself, but the fact that it was nothing there means that he didn't cause it. He didn't do anything. He didn't go up to him. He didn't touch him. He didn't hit him. He didn't scratch him. He didn't do anything. He was minding his own business. But they were trying to rule that entire thing out, which I think was unfair. Wow. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, like you said, this this is just one of those things that is just all kind of suspense. You don't, you know. That's when you mm-hmm. think it's going to go one way, then more evidence mm-hmm. comes playing, and it, it, it makes it turn things around and take to go another direction. Right. But, like I said, we're going to continue following this trial. Um, I don't know how much longer they have or what else they have to bring mm-hmm. to the table, but it's just ridiculous. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yeah, that's all I can say. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Speaking of ridiculous things, I want to move on because, you know, I kind of want to get off the air early tonight. I want to talk mm-hmm. about um, one more thing, and I'm probably going to do an hour show tonight. But mm-hmm. um, we'll talk about the recent uh, killings here in Indianapolis involving several young men. Mm-hmm. And. I'm going to personalize this thing because I think it's something that is really affecting our community. Yeah. That's the whole community. But I see our, our young black men that are being executed in the streets. Mm-hmm. And I think it's mm-hmm. time for us as individuals to start addressing this. Right. You know, um, I think that we can't wait on anybody else to help us out. We're going to have to help our own selves out. We're going to have to just help ourselves right. out. Mm-hmm. And today, um, my pastor, 
um, Pastor Ronald Covington uh, Sr., um, the pastor of Friendship Missionary Baptist Church here in Indianapolis, Indiana, called a prayer vigil today at the City County Building um, downtown Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. And it was a really nice event, um, event. It was very positive. A lot of people came out. Um, you had the chief mm-hmm. of police down there. You had um, a couple of representatives. I had a chance to interview Zach Adamson, but I don't know what happened to the interview. So I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I couldn't upload it. But I do have mm-hmm. the interview with um, Pastor Covington. And then I actually have the uh, the 15-minute uh, clip of the actual event down there, which I'm going to probably just do a show tomorrow, like a 30-minute show, and just play all those interviews because um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I kind of want to just get off here early tonight. I just want to do this last-minute show. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to play his interview, um, Pastor Covington's interview, which is probably like about a couple minutes long. Mhm. Yeah, uh, but before we jump into this, I just want to give people a background of what's been happening. Um, I was like kind of shocked when I heard about that young guy that was killed over the Fourth of July weekend, and then a couple of days following that, one of his best friends was shot in cold, cold blood too. And mm. I was going to see, did you hear about any of those incidents that happened? Um, I actually wasn't here in town, so I really didn't hear it um, offhand, but I had a Which friend of mine that, uh, yeah, but I had a friend of mine that had told me about it because apparently the two guys that were shot was her son's two best friends. That's how I heard about that. They were pretty well known because I knew somebody at work at my job that kind of knew the young boys too. And there was several people mm-hmm. on Facebook that had put up pictures of him and had made mm-hmm. comments about him and stuff like that following mm-hmm. the entire incident. But I got a couple articles I want to read before we play mm-hmm. the interview just to give people a background on what's going on. Um, mm-hmm. I want to start off with this first article written, or uh, that was that uh, was written on Fox 59 website, uh, which is uh-huh. entitled "Brown Shooting Believed to Be Related to July 4th Homicide." Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much, article says Metro- Metropolitan Police are investigating a fatal shooting on the northeast side that killed a 16-year-old boy. Police identified the victim as 16-year-old James Johnson, a friend of Monzeke Edwards, the teenager killed in last week's shooting on the 4th of July. Mm. Sources tell Fox 59 that the murders are likely connected and that there have been social media threats directed at the family. And I was talking to somebody at work, and they were talking about how they're going to go into his website. Because, you know, uh, Facebook has a feature now. They can go back and pull up everything you ever written mm-hmm. So they're going mm-hmm. to go on there. And um, they, I think they've already have found persons of interest on there. Mm-hmm. So they are going on there and investigating that now. And this is what I'm going to say before I continue this article. These young people are just flat-out ignorant, because mm-hmm. why 
they post everything on these Facebook pages. They post everything on these social media sites, and they don't realize this stuff can come back and haunt them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it is just so, I'm just going to call it flat out stupid because mm-hmm. there was a story in Chicago where this young guy lured this one girl to a park, and, you know, like I said, the parents should have been on the young girl's ass because why would you go meet a young boy at the park that you don't even know off of, off of, you know, online? That's right. Right. So, but that's besides the point. So he lures the girl to the park, and it was him and two other guys, I want to say, that attacked mm-hmm. the girl, raped her, videotaped it, and put it on Facebook. Mm. Mm-mm-mm. So, horrible. just 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 horrible, you know. And I say a lot of these young guys are out here like savages. Nobody's out here checking them. Nobody's roughing them up. Ain't nobody snatching their ass up and putting mm-hmm. the foot up in their ass. And then, mm-hmm. then you want to wait till they get to a certain age and then try yep. to start trying to dictate some type of order. It don't work like that. Yep. Uh-uh. You're dealing with people, especially that boy 16, that's almost a wrong man. It's still child, it's almost, he's 16. He'll be legally adult by 18. But you want to start mm-hmm. trying to put establish some order. It don't work like that. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to continue with this article. Um, okay, they were just disturbing. That's all I had to say. And this 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 is this is uh uh in reference to the media threats that were on Facebook said Tanika mm-hmm. Tanika Edwards, Mazik's mother. They were just disturbing. Panika got the call outside call about Johnson while she was finalizing funeral plans for her son. These children are dying in the streets. These kids can get a hold of a gun like they, they're they at the candy store buying candy, she said. Investigators mm-hmm. said that the teenager was shot and killed on the 5200 block of East 32nd Street just before 3 p.m. on Monday. Mm. It happened on the playground near Hawthorne Place Apartments. According to the police, three people were seen running from the scene. Witnesses say, that they appear to be teenagers as well. Quote, a young man is dead already today. This type of killing has to stop in the city, and we need um, the community to help us, said Lieutenant Mm -hmm. Christopher Bailey of IMPD. It's a public health crisis, especially in these areas. If you have Mm -hmm. any information on these latest incidents, call Crime Stoppers at 317-262-TIPS. So that was that article, and pretty much, um, I guess the other article. I'm not gonna really go into it that much, but it's just basically saying the IMPD is are calling on deputies to assist in patrols during Black Expo because pretty much they feel that there's gonna be some type of uh, retaliation down there, and it's just ridiculous that people can't go downtown as families and enjoy themselves. That's why we have such a negative image of Black mm-hmm. Expo because we have that's right. people in our community doesn't seem to bad. Mm-hmm. So, you know, especially mm. with that shooting that took place last week 
at Circle Center Mall and um just along with some other things in the killing of that James at Johnson guy, I guess they want to um just make sure there's order down there. Mhm. Um, so I don't know. I mean what do you think about it's that? It's just so, Well you have kids out here that are doing this stuff because parents are not teaching their kids right from wrong. You know, and just like what you said, it's so right. You can't wait until they're 12 and 13 to try to tell them yes and no. That has to start when they are first born. And a lot of these parents condone this stuff because I truly believe that you have some parents that are afraid of their children. They are afraid of them, so they let them do whatever they whatever it is that they want to do because they did not um, implement any discipline when they were born nor were they consistent with any type of discipline that they did show. So now the streets can raise them, and the streets show them what it was that they wanted to show them, and now they're doing whatever it is that they want to do and they don't care. And now you even now it even comes to the point where you have people out here that are purchasing these guns for these kids or who are selling these guns or who are even giving the guns to to these kids, you know, all because the mighty dollar speaks. And it's so crazy and um and you're so right about something. You know, you were saying that families can't even go down there during the black expo and enjoy themselves. You have kids that come down there that just wreck up the whole place and shoot and do all this kind of crazy stuff. But it all goes back to the parents. They, when you don't teach your kids right, they will do whatever it is that they want to do. But I'm going to say this: the Bible says it's trained out in the way that they should grow. They will never depart from those ways. So if they have done, so if they train them the way that they were supposed to be trained and treating them and discipline them, then they would not be acting like this. But even if they would, you you can do now, I do, now I will say this, there will come a time where kids may become ornery and, you know, they may do a little talking back, little things like that. But if you truly train them and discipline them, they wouldn't go out here and do all this shooting up and all this killing and stuff, and it's just so crazy. It is crazy that, you know, that they resort to doing things like that. Um, now, Nowadays, you can't even look at nobody. You can't even look at these kids because they want to go out here and they will remember this little eye roll that you done gave them or this little lip that you done gave them. And if they see you in the next day or two, then they're ready to fight you, run you over, shoot you, whatever they can because they done so offended because you looked at them crazy or you done rose eyes or whatever. And it's just so, it is so terrible out here. It is so terrible. You know, mm-hmm. like you said, you know, um, you know, what it's getting bad to the t- when you can't even go down. T- and, and what what they don't realize is when they are out here on the streets acting like a fool, you you are a representation of your family too. You That's right. Stuff, you are a representation of your family and, and how they raised you. And when you go out here and 
And not only that, you are a representation of the community, too. And when you That's go out right. here, you're just making it worse for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why a lot of people don't look at Indiana Black Expo like they should. They should, they, you know, mm-hmm. they all the all the positive is over overcrowded, overcrowded. I'm sorry, by the negative because mm-hmm. you know it's it's it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's just like a doing Universal Soul Circus down there. Huh. You got all these yeah. wild monkeys running around down here causing havoc, and people can't come down there and enjoy the festivities. The Black Expo is supposed to be a positive event. It's supposed to help out the community. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to discuss the issues of health. You know, um, mm-hmm. they had the health fair. They had the job fair. They had all kind of art um, art exhibits, a, mm-hmm. lot of, a lot of cultural things that people can learn about. And it's right. overclouded by this negativity that really doesn't have anything to do with the Black Expo itself, but just because they are down there acting like that, they want to ex- attach that stigma to Expo. Mm-hmm. Right. And to me, I'm just wondering, these parents just allow your kids to go downtown or leave the house and you ain't got no tabs on them. They just run around like wild animals in the forest. You know, just, I mean, you just don't even care. Yes. How can you allow your I children to run around free and not that. know where they at? That's right. How can That's you allow your children to be raised by the streets and you and you just don't have no concern? I'm tired of these cracked out junky ass. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm have to, I'm cussing, and I'm sorry I'm mm-hmm. saying this. But I'm tired of these cracked out junky ass mothers, poor, poor, and sluts that don't care about their kids. Want to get on TV, crying and falling out and boohooing when their child becomes a victim of violence, when their child is viciously, viciously attacked and killed, you want to get on TV and you want to act like you don't know what happened. You want to act mm-hmm. like you, you said, my child would never do this. You know, my child was this and my child was that. How do you know? Mm-hmm. You weren't there. Mm-hmm. You're so busy trying to chase a high yourself. You so busy trying to chase another man yourself, you don't even know what what your children are doing. You done gave them up mm-hmm. to the street. Mm-hmm. And now you want to sit here on the news and act like you were such a concerned parent. Now, I know that teens are going to do stuff, and I know teens going to do things. All teens going to do some things sometimes they shouldn't mm-hmm. do. But when, when you're talking about they going out here robbing people, plotting mm-hmm. on people, uh, shooting, raping people, just doing mm-hmm. just anything, everything they can do. You're not gonna sit here and tell me that you was involved as a parent. You just want. Mm-hmm. You couldn't have been. Mm-hmm. I'm just so sick of that stuff right there. I said mm-hmm. you can't blame nobody. You can't blame you can't and I'm and you can't blame the white man. That's right. That's right. You can't blame nobody. You can blame yourself. Look at yourself. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think that's you know, I think that's where we before we even look at what the kids do, we gotta look at the generation before them, see what they doing. Mhm. Mhm. Because they you know, just, they just, and these, and, yeah, go ahead. 
I was just going to say, you know, because you have these kids, you know, they are at school. You don't see what they're doing. You know, they're on the bus and stuff. You don't see how they're talking. You don't see how they act there. You know, they are up in their room, you downstairs, you getting high, you smoking, you drinking. You don't know what they're upstairs doing. And the fact of the matter is is that kids are impressionable. What they see, they retain that. They retain every single thing that they see, and they will do that too. They will mock that. And then you ask the question, where did you learn that from? Hmm, if you were, you know, um, consistent in their lives, then then you wouldn't have to worry about them learning that kind of stuff. You wouldn't have to worry about them seeing that kind of stuff or being involved in that kind of stuff. And that is so terrible, you know, when you have, and just like you said, you want to always cry when something happens, but something is, if it takes you going up in the room, snooping and stuff, you know, sitting down with them every single day, Ask them about how school is, getting involved with their schoolwork, getting involved with their activities, um, extracurricular activities, um, and, and just talking to them. And you will find out things about your kids if you spend time with them, you know, and they will be less likely to go out here and do some dastardly stuff. But these parents, they want these streets to raise their kids because they feel like that, you know, it's their time to go out here and to shop and to get their hair burnt out and all the time that, you know, so they so they want to do whatever they want to do for them. You can't be selfish. It's not about you when you have your kids. It's about them. It's no longer about you until your kids are grown and they are out there doing things on their own and successful, then you can start living your life there for your kids, so you're still going to be there with them. But the fact is, is that you can't let them do what they want to do. They are the child. You're the parent. So these parents need to take control of their kids and stop being afraid to do that. That is your child. You had that child. So you need to raise that child the way that they need to be raised, and don't be scared because these kids know when you're scared. They will take over you. They will talk to you crazy. They will beat you up. They will stand over you you while you sleep. They'll tell you whatever it is that they want you to do and what they're not going to do, and that's all because you're scared. No. Mm-mm. Honey, I will Mm-mm. Well, see, I want to jump to this uh, clip real quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we're going to come back and, and uh, discuss this, and then we're just going to get off the air tonight. But this clip is, All like right. I said, of the um, prayer vigil. I did an interview with Pastor Covington um, of the mm-hmm. Friendship Baptist Church, and we're going to get back to um, this when we return, and um, we're going to wrap up the show. All right. Thank y'all so much. All right, this is Seneca Harris coming to you uh, from the Urban Coalition of Freelance Writers, where we shine the light on issues impacting the urban community. And today, I had the privilege to um, to talk to a prestigious um, pastor here in Indianapolis, Pastor Ronald Covington. He was the one that um, uh, brought together this this wonderful event tonight, um, getting people to come together to address the issue of violence and um, the 
the murders of young people in here in Indianapolis. So can you tell us um, what does this whole event mean to you and where is your passion for the young people here in Indianapolis and what can we do as a community community and to ensure that this trend doesn't continue because we know that there's been a high homicide rate and especially with the in the last couple of weeks with several young people dealing with retaliation of this, that and the other. So can you just tell us what does this mean to you and how can we uh, begin to address this problem? Yes, I think that, first of all, I want to thank you for being here. I, I really think that uh, it's time for uh, us to step up to the plate. You know, everybody, a lot of people are doing something, but we have to include God in it. Um, our children are precious, and I don't think that I've ever seen a such a violent time in our community, and we have to do what we have to do to save our young people. We have to uh, give them jobs. We have to give them something to. We can no longer just tell our children and young people to say no to something without giving them something to say yes to. And so we're here today just uh, petitioning God on the behalf of our young people, the families of those uh, that have lost loved ones, uh, the children that are yet alive, that God will keep them safe. We got a black expo. Right. And we're here asking God, you know, for peace, uh, for the black expo, they these babies, so people can feel free to carry their young people and have a good time without being afraid that, you know, they're going to be killed by someone in their family. So we're, uh, we believe in prayer. We know that prayer is the key, and so that's why we're here. And, and together, corporate prayer. So in your opinion, um, what, what's the importance of continuing this? I mean, this is a wonderful event, but, like, how can, I mean, can you just stress the importance of us continuing to show up and come together and pray for the youth and just just the city in general. Can you stress the importance of that? I think one thing it does it shows some solidarity for the faith community, and you know this we have to do more. We have to pray, but we also have to do some other things together. We can do more together than we can individually. Right. So when we can get and this shows our young people that we're concerned. They need to know that we care. Mm -hmm. You know, that we love them and that we're willing to sacrifice and come out and leave our place to come out together to pray for them. It's a demonstration of love. And they need to see that somebody cares. They don't have any hope. We need mm -hmm. to let them know there is hope. You know, that's why we're glad to some of our young people out here at this time. And one more quick question. What is your ministry um, in particular doing to um, help the youth? We're, uh, matter of fact, as a Friday, We've got a jobs program. We're going to be probably, hopefully, hiring uh, anywhere from 100, 150 young people, paying them uh, uh, minimum wage to work, uh, asking them to put down the gun, to pick up the shovels or whatever we have. You know, because I think that's part of the problem. Our young people need jobs, and so we're we're instrumental in doing that. Uh, trying to do employ them and to give them something to do, you know, but also to mentor them, not just to work them, but right. to mentor them uh, while they're working. And that's Friday at uh, Cafe out on 50, uh, 50, 5061 East 38th Street, okay. I think it is. We'll get the information. But that's what, uh, that's what it's about. All right. Well, thank you for your time, and thank you for what you're doing. And we're looking forward to seeing uh, more come out of this. All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Back here on um, the Urban Wire.
That interview just came from Pastor Covington. Uh, he is the pastor of Friendship Missionary Baptist Church, and he was the one that spearheaded the event tonight at the City County Building. Um, like I said, I had an interview with Zach Adamson. I, I obviously did didn't record, so uh, but we do have clips from the actual program, which we'll just play on tomorrow. We'll just do a thirty minute show just to, just to give people a highlight of what happened. But mm-hmm. um, well, I think we have Jr. on the line. We're gonna go to him in a second. But see, what do you think about that that interview? I think that was awesome. Um, you know, because he was so right about the fact that prayer is very important and very crucial in a time like this. You know, of course, we know that when we pray, we are just having a one-on-one conversation with God, and he still answers prayers. You know, that that is something that he does. And I think that um, him implementing that program to actually have these kids being involved in something and to take them off of the street and to pay them minimum wage to actually be focused on something constructive, I think that that was awesome. Um, that that was something that every um, that every radio station, um, every news station needs to actually hear that because they need to be informed of um, a pastor doing something like that for the community. So I thought that that interview was awesome. Right. And, I, and I do think that, like he like he made a good point, we can't mm-hmm. always tell them no. We don't give them something yes to, to right. you know, for them to say yes to. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And we have mm-hmm. to start implementing programs that will build character, that will build a work yes. ethic, that will build something positive. You know, you don't give them something to do, they're gonna get into anything. That's you right. You see what I'm saying? So I really mm-hmm. I really appreciate that interview. You know? Mm-hmm. You can go to the line. I know JR got something to say. Hey, Hello? how's it going? Yeah. All right, brother, how you doing tonight? Oh my man, I, I I've been having a long night. Sorry it took me so long to call, but I just got out of the emergency room. Oh anyway. Lord. No, it, it wasn't me. My wife wasn't feeling up to par, so I took her over there, you know. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm doing better. I I've uh, been sick the past few days, but you know, it is what it is. God we're is we're, we're dealing with it. Keep going. Yes, Lord. But but I, I tell you what, man. I I I heard I heard some of what was uh, some of the interview there, and uh, I I was. I I, I, t- I tell you something. I, I I'm glad. I like I said. Uh, uh, you know, like what was said earlier. There, I, I'm glad these things are being put in place. You know, it, it's a starting block to go somewhere. I mean, I I didn't always make a hundred thousand dollars a year. Hell, I remember getting laid off and taking a minimum wage job as a dishwasher on closings at a showroom. Mm-hmm. You know, just to get some income coming in. You know, and through hard work and all, I got to where I'm at, you know. And it, that, that's the thing that uh, a lot of people need to understand is uh, you can make it, but you got to sacrifice to make it, you know. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Um, yeah, you know, like today, today I saw a show, 
And they were talking about the oil boom going on in North Dakota right now. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, it's been it's been recent news that like the state of Ohio raised their minimum wage to ten dollars an hour. Oh wow! You know, and yeah, well, okay, if that's going to shock you, this will blow your mind. Uh, in North Dakota, uh, the fast food places over there. This is the fast food places, okay? Because of the oil boom going on, right? Uh, are starting out at $18 an hour. Shut the front door. I swear to you. That that was our show today, man. As an oil rigger, a roughneck over there, you make around $2,500 a week. Starting out. You know? But once again, you're going to have to sacrifice some things. Because with that comes... Other things, because uh, before they found this huge oil well over there, they, uh, you know, rent, the average rent was $350 a month. Now it's around $2,000 a month. But if you go to work for the oil companies, they'll supply your housing through, uh, uh, basically it's a camp for all their workers, you know. And it's kind of like a barracks. You you get your own private room and what so, but... You know, you're sharing a place with maybe 20 other people, you know? Oh, wow. But, I mean, it, it's out there, man. And, I mean, they're, they're you know, it's just people got to know where to look. And, unfortunately, you know, unless you're watching, you know, if you're sitting there watching, uh, you know, uh, what, what, what's the name of that stupid show on MTV? Yeah, yeah, sixteen and pregnant, or you know, Maury, or all that. You ain't never gonna know about these things, you know. <laughs> but you know, what it, it, it's, 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 what's that? We was just discussing this before you got on. Uh, what do you feel about these parents that want to get on the news? And you, you you've seen it before. You think hello. Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Um, and I'm pretty sure you've seen this before where parents, these parents get on TV, their son or daughter or whoever um, gets killed in cold blood or gets caught up in some type of scandal, which I we're going to get to something in a minute before we go because we're going to lighten the mood up before we go. But they want to act like they don't know what happened to their child. They don't know what cause this this unfortunate situation to happen to their child to where their child is now laying dead six feet under. Mm-hmm. And to me, like, these are the same parents that want to cry and boo-hoo and fall out on the news and, and everything, but you were the ones that allowed your child to be raised in the streets. But now you want to act like you're some type of concerned parent. What do you feel about that? Now, I'll tell you what, man, I, I, I couldn't agree with that statement more. Uh, parents need to stop letting the TVs and video game systems, you know, they need to stop being a friend to their they children. They need to stick a foot up in their hand. That's what they need to do. They That's need to stick right. a foot up in them. That's right. You know, I, I, I was brought up in a very strict but very fair household. You've met my mother. You know, mm-hmm. my mother will not to let her hand fly to this day, you know, <laughs> but uh, they, they uh, 
you know, it, 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 when, when the tragedy happens, it's too late to start acting like a parent. You know? Yeah, yeah, as a parent, like a parent you're when your child's almost 16 and an adult. Yeah, you know, it, you, 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 yeah, you got, you got, like, you know, you've got to be all in your child's business, you know, it, it's a child, you know, whether it's a boy or a girl, that's what I'm saying, it, you know, it's a child, the child does not have the privileges of an adult to make full-grown decisions, you know, and these parents that go out and are, oh, me and my child are best friends, and you know, they get matching outfits and stuff like that, you know. And you got like a eight-year-old girl wearing hoochie mama freaking uh, shorts, you know, the delicious shorts and stuff like that. And that little girl goes out and, you know, so, some kind of tragedy happens to her, like a predator of some sort. Yep. You know, God help that never happens, but, you know, it does happen. And, oh. you know, it, it's too late when it happens. You you should have you should have been a parent long before that. Yeah. And I personally I you know, I believe that if you can't support your children, you shouldn't have children. That's you know? Right. right. That's right. It, it, it's just that simple. You know, if you if you can't support your child, it, maybe it's time to get yourself tied, or you know, it, it, until you can support your children, you know, or be on the pill or something. You know, but that's why I just don't understand, and that's why I understand too many options out here for people to just have. Like I was just talking about, um, I don't know if it was on the last show. I was talking to somebody. I don't think we talked about it on the show, but I was like, you know. I've seen a clip where in in um, Tennessee there's this guy out here that has gotten he has over I don't know if he had like oh. twenty some thirty something year old twenty uh, thirty kids out here by dozens of women and to me like first of all we can't always knock the guys because you know what some of these women need to take responsibility too because one thing about it is. If you saw, if you know that this man has been, uh, he he is well known for being a deadbeat, and you know that this guy has several different baby mamas, you know, mm-hmm. I think that you're going to be any different. You see how he treats his other kids. And to me, I could not be a, how could you be any type of woman knowing that a guy has children he doesn't even support? How, yep. can, you sleep, how can you sleep next to a man that, does not support his children, but weighing up the children. It's almost a reverse of a battered wife syndrome. You know, it's kind of like, oh, you know, look, look, it's like this. You know, like I said, it's almost a reverse of battered wife syndrome. It's, you know, they look at him and they're like, oh, I can change him. You know, and it turns out the guy's just a scumbag. Some guys mm-hmm. out there are, it's just that simple. Some guys are just scumbags, you know, just like yeah. some women are, you know. It, it, it happens. It, it's okay to say that, you know. But, yeah. but you know, they start thinking, ooh, I, I can change him, you know. He, he just had a hard life and this and that, blah, 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 blah. 
you know, funny. You try, somebody it, to change him. He don't even change his damn underwear, and you want to change a man. That's exactly right. You know, and, and, you and, and what they don't what they don't realize is, is that then when something does happen, they they start. Oh, I never knew this, and uh, come on. All the signs were there. You just refused to see them. That's all. Exactly. You know, you was ignorant. You know, they, they, you know they, the guy's got 20 kids by 20 different women. That's the first red flag, you know. And I, I've, I've made no secret of the things that I've done in my past. But you know what difference means? I've taken care of all my kids. And I'm taking care Man. of kids that weren't mine. Mm. You know? And, and I ain't looking for no applause or anything by that. And I ain't looking for no praise for it either. But but what I am saying is there's no excuse. You know? I've taken the minimum wage jobs. I've taken two jobs. You know what my schedule looks like. You know? Mm. And, and, you know, there, there's, there's, there's zero excuse for it. Yeah. It can be done. You just got to want, you know, I had a friend of mine the other day actually says to me, he works as a rent-a-cop at a security firm, you know, mm-hmm. making like $11 an hour or something like that, which is okay. It's respectable, you know. I ain't bashing. It's respectable. But but mm-hmm. then he's like, I don't I don't make the money that you do. That I told him, I said, bro, I, I didn't always make this money. But I was willing to sacrifice to get to where I'm at. You know, I, I'm the type, I'm willing to go that extra mile to do what it takes to get to where I want to be. Mm-hmm. You know? And, you know, it, it, you and I were talking earlier. I told you, I, I, I'm probably going to have to leave one of my jobs. And I, it's going to be the one that pays 20 bucks an hour. Now, to most people, that would sound insane, you know. But my hours are just starting to get to me. Yeah. You know? And, it, you know, it's just, some, some people can't comprehend that. But you know what? Again, no excuses. It's the lifestyle I chose to live. And to mm-hmm. live that lifestyle, I'm willing to do what it takes to get there. Yeah. You know? And, and like I, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, well, like I said, just getting back to who's talking about, I just think it's just a sad situation, you know, that these kids are dying you know, just senselessly. You know, like I said, you know, since the 4th of July, there's been about, there's been several young men that have been shot in cold blood, and it's all about nothing. Probably all about nothing. You know, I know several yeah. people, several stories been going around about this James Johnson kid and this other situation. And, it, and I think it wasn't even, you know, I mean, it's sad when you hear these young people get killed, but they were talking about the life that they live, and I'm like, Man, they were showing this that kid on the video, uh, on the video when he was in some house with some dudes counting stacks of money, and they talking about, yeah, we got this little boy right here in training, and all this stuff, and I'm like, you know, where was the parents? Like, how is he being exposed to this stuff? You know what I'm saying? 
This young no, dude is living, this, this is this, this dude is living a serious. This ain't no chat. This dude living a, a grown man's life. This is some hardcore stuff that he was involved in. And you know, I don't know if it's gang affiliated. I don't know if it's just basic retaliation. But it just makes you question: Are we dealing with a lost generation of kids? Uh, it, it's and we never can't blame the white man. We can't blame the system. It has to start in the home. That's right. That's right. It's never lost. It's, what's lost is self-accountability. You know, people want to find, uh, it's not my fault. It's so-and-so's fault. You know, it's TV's fault. It's the game's fault. It's radio's fault. It's the music's fault. It's not my fault, you know. But, you know, whenever you live a certain lifestyle for so long, eventually you become a product of your own upbringing. And whenever all you're seeing, you know, whenever the parents ain't there for their children, but you know who's giving them love? The gang members down the streets, the drug dealers. You know, and to them, they're just another number. They'll give them the attention that they want just because they're another number. They're an Expandable number, you know. They'll go. Well, I'll get them to do what I want them to, and they'll go after them and not me. You know. They're gonna go after no grown man. They're gonna be able to control them. They're gonna go after somebody. See, that's what they don't realize. The people on the street doing your job because you, you as a parent, need to be doing molding your child while they're still impressionable. But these people, yep. the people on the street, got more common sense than you. That's why they're going after these younger people because they can mold them and teach them the negative, and they can recruit them and turn them into a monster, pretty much. Yep. And a lot of times they put these young cats on the street, they catching the rat. Your child, they using your child to go out here and do this thing, and they the one catching the rat, not them. That's that's right. You know, they're, they're like I said, they're expandable. You know, and it, it's a, you know, I get that some neighborhoods are bad, okay, and I get that the general public may be afraid because they're not as armed as the local gangs and what's up. But the people have got to take over their own neighborhood. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, it's up to the people to defend their own. Bro, I, I was sitting there this afternoon bored. So you know what I started watching? I started watching reruns of Cops on uh, on one of the local channels. Anyways, hold on a second. Uh, give me one quick second. Is that oh, an empty? Is that an empty? Oh, because I need two empties out of here. I need two empties. All right. Okay, anyways, uh, back to what I was saying. So, you know, I'm watching an old 1980s episode of Cops, and the reason I know it was a 1980s episode of Cops, it was because of uh, the way the cars, the police cars looked like, you know? It was the old Chevy Caprice with the chrome chrome bumper. Anyway, so I'm sitting there watching this episode, and it was 
on a, it was about a break-in that happened at an apartment complex in uh, Atlanta. And it was this lady, her daughter, and her grandson living there. And, uh, they, you know, it was a home invasion. Five guys busted into this house and pistol with the lady in, the, in her eye. And this old lady, even though she was outgunned, living in the wrong neighborhood, and what so, this old lady went at it with these gang members. The whole reason she got pistol with. You know? They had busted her eye, man, but she gave them hell until the cops got there, and naturally the guys got away. But, you know, it's that spirit that's gone. Death is tragic, and people are afraid of it, naturally. But, you know, there's a time to say when. Just like when you drink, you got to know when to say when. It's the same deal with that. Mm-hmm. You know, you just got to know when to say when. And that's the thing that people have forgotten. You know, you you got to, man. You you, you got to take over your neighborhood. You got to be vigilant about it and, you know, almost to the point of militant. Yeah, one, yeah. one or right. two people may lose their lives. But at some point, you're going to break down the heart of that crime, you know? Because people are going to be like, oh, you don't want to go here. You know, they're going to get you here. Let's go to a weaker neighborhood. Exactly. You know? That's the thing. No, I mean, you can't stand around and wait. Sometimes you just can't wait for someone else to to come to rescue. Sometimes that's never going to happen. That's right. And wait for the crowd. That's right. There are neighborhoods in some cities like Chicago, New York, you know, Detroit. Detroit's a big one. There are neighborhoods out there that the police won't step into after the dark. You know, that's how bad of a neighborhood they are. They won't go there after dark. But, you know, that's like I said, that's up to the people. Hell, I, I remember they, they, I, I talked about it a few shows back about this older gentleman there on the northeast side. The, the break-in, you know, home invasion happened. He was a Korean War veteran. Home invasion happened. They chased him around the house. The guy went running into his bedroom, grabbed his shotgun, blew the guy's guts right all all over his floor. Mm. And then, they, and then some of the, you know the guys, the home invaders. The perpetrator's family members Like he should have given him a warning shot I'm sorry That home invasion guy That perpetrator didn't call him up saying Hey I, I'm going to be there around 9 o'clock To invade your home and steal everything you've worked for mm-hmm. You know I have zero pity for that I have Like I've always said I have zero pity for stupidity You know mm-hmm. I'm like and, Zero pity for stupidity Uh huh you know, but you know what? That, that also reminds me of a story that I, from well, documentary I was watching on YouTube about. Uh, I think it was, they were talking about Guatemala and how um, it used to be a peaceful place, and how a lot of the uh, a lot of the um, gang members here in the United States had been deported back down there 
like from the uh, 18th Street Gang, and like it was another one they were talking about, and how how they brought a lot of that gang influence down there, and how it just became just one of the biggest murder capitals in the world. I mean, or in America, they were seeing how bad it got down there. And it was just like, you know, it, it was nothing for people to see. Like you can, I mean, within an hour, you can find two gang-related deaths. Um, you could find all kind of things down there that were going on. And the people just got to, to a point to where they start forming vigil any group to, you know, combat the crime because they couldn't wait around for the law enforcement to get down there and help them out because they would have, you know, it it, it it took them to come together and to fight the crime from the street because they refused to have the gang um, take over their to their their country. And I'm and all I'm saying is sometimes it takes that type of um, I won't say militant action, but it, it takes that that courage for to come together as a community. And um, to combat these these issues. So that's that's all I wanted to say by bringing that up. Yeah, it it, it uh, you know, it, when when I did my time in Guatemala, it, it you know we were going after all the drug cartels over there. Guatemala, just like uh, Costa Rica, is a bit of a social government. It 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 doesn't have much of a military, but what it does have, it's uh. Uh, a state police force, you know, which which is kind of like a police slash military both at the same time, you know. Imagine cops with fully automatic weapons. That's what you got. Hmm. Anyway, you know that that was one of the big things going on over there was all, all these deportations going on from not just the U.S. but you know that when the Colombian government after Post Escobar would uh, arrest, you know, drug cartel leaders and what so. They'd ship them off to a rightful country. They may be from Guatemala or Panama and what so. Next thing you know, that cartel basically just being moved, you know? And they take property in their own country, start paying off because of the poverty levels going on over there, start paying off the police, start paying off the government, and start looking the other way. And then things just started getting out of hand, you know, because everyone's looking for that quick buck. And it, it's one of the deals where it, it, over there, if you ended up being a straight cop, you know, that wouldn't go on to take, you'd probably be assassinated by the end of that night. They give you, you know, you had to make that decision right then and there. You know, they may be like, okay, you can leave, you know, but then... Once you go out, if you're going out the door, you probably get a bullet put in the back of your head. Mm. It's just how they do business, you know? And I hate using the word business on something like that, but that's how they look at it, you know? How they make their living. And what you're seeing in them countries out there is what's going down here on a much lower scale. And the reason it's a much lower scale is because... Your usual gang member out here, yeah, okay, you know, the top dog may drive a Denali and what so, but, you know, the big wigs out there in them other countries are driving Mercedes-Benz, you know, maybe a Ferrari, maybe a Maserati. So, uh, yeah. 
yeah, I just wanted to get on here and do a quick show tonight and just talk about these issues. I, I, I really think with it being summer, you know, these kids are out here, they don't have anything to do. They're just like out here like wild weeds. And I just think it's just because to us, to train these kids, get them prepared. You know, stop allowing your children just to run wild during the summer. Have them involved with something. Have them working. Have them in some type of summer camp or something, you know. Because, like they said, the idle mind is the devil's workshop. And when they don't have anything to do, it's easy for them to be dragged and swayed into, like, the wrong direction, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. That's pretty much all I had to say. I don't know if you had anything to add before we get off here. You still there, Jr. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. I'm in the I'm good to go, bro. You know, it's uh, it we're we're gonna be recording here before we before I go on my trip. We'll be recording at least two more episodes of Three XR. Mm-hmm. I uh, with me being under the weather and the stresses of life and all that, you know. I've been falling behind on what I've been wanting to do with that, but we're going to get her back on track and get her rolling. For those that don't know, 3XR is a show that uh, we're going to be talking all these little taboo topics. The three R's are race, religion, and reality. We're going to keep it real. You're going to have your opinion. I'll have my opinion. We may not agree, but we're going to respect each other, which is the fourth unforeseen R. Anyways, uh, that, that's all I got, my friend. You know, uh, all right. That's, that sounds good. We're going to wrap it up. This is the Urban Wire, brought to you by the Urban Coalition of Freelance Fires, where we shine a light on issues impacting the urban community. Tomorrow we're going to be doing a pre-recorded episode about the prayer vigil that took place tonight. So join us tomorrow night, and we will talk to you then. All right, good night. All right. You have a good night.